Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to Dr. Connie's House Calls for the month of September. I'm so glad you're listening in. You know that old song that I love from the 60s is See You in September? Well, here we are. I always start my show with the honorable mentions, and I'm going to begin with birthdays, and that's a happy thing. First of all, I'm going to mention my guest today, and I'll introduce her in a second. She had a birthday this month, and that's Laura Ziff, and you're going to hear from her later today. So happy birthday, Laura. Happy birthday to Nia, Jerry Mills, uh, Richard Stevens, who is the father of my two sons and the grandfather of my three grandchildren. Dr. Glenn Tanner, Suzanne Haniotis, Dan Aguiar, who is my son Andrew's roommate in college. Happy birthday to Steve Salyer, who's my neighbor up in Sedona. To Tommy Williams, son of my friend Maddie. To my friend Phyllis Green in Kentucky, who is my assistant in Washington. Happy birthday to my dear friend Sandra Mackey, who is a fellow widow and a dear friend. To Liz Brown, who lives in San Diego. To Craig Clifford. Patty Arcaleo in Florida, to my cousin Cherry Mariano, who is living up north, Northern California, to Donna Venturelli in uh, Scottsdale, to Lynn Amelor Pedo, happy birthday, to Karen Bendock, Wendy Beck, my friend Carly Klein Vlacos, who's done a show with me about hair loss. She's having a great birthday, to Jane Roig, who's also been on my show, who's an international traveler. To Cheryl Elligard, I hope she's doing well. To Phil Myers, Steve Gabay, Eileen Redman, who's probably up in Montana. Bill Goldberg, who's probably in Wisconsin. Harvey Jabara, happy birthday. Marie Christensen, she's back in town. Bart LaBelle. To Hugo Rodriguez, my friend here in Scottsdale, happy birthday. To Ginny Wetterow in California. To Bill Moeller in Oregon to Donna Corrigan in Wisconsin, to Ellen Schulhofer in Nevada, to Meredith Wimmer, happy birthday, to my dear friend Bob McLean, who's been a, a brother to my late husband, John. And I think Bob is doing a bike ride through the Himalayas, amazing. And to David Hovey, happy birthday. So happy birthday, all you there. You know, I always mix the sad and the happy. Well, we had some of the happy, but let me share some sad news. As you know, on September 8th, we lost an amazing woman, Queen Elizabeth II, who was the queen of the United Kingdom and the other Commonwealth realms. She was, as you are hearing, the longest living, longest reigning British monarch. She died at the age of 96 at her beloved Balmoral Castle in Scotland. Her death, which I always find interesting what happens uh, with the death of a, a, a VIP, that her death set into motion Operation London Bridge. Don't you love these names? Operation London Bridge. It was a collection of plans that include the arrangements for her funeral and Operation Unicorn. What a great name. Operation Unicorn, which set the protocols for the Queen's death occurring in Scotland. So the United Kingdom is now observing a national day of mourning, actually a national period of mourning of 10 days. The state funeral will be held in Westminster Abbey on September 19th at 11 British Standard Time. And then her service later that day at St. George's Chapel at Windsor. 
she will be interred in the King George VI Memorial Chapel at St. George's. And I just look back at her life. She has been my queen in a lot of ways my entire life. She had the same year of birth as my mother. So we are losing people of the greatest generation. And I look back whenever somebody dies and I ask myself, what lessons have they shared about their life and the meaning? How have they touched our lives? What legacy did they leave? And so when I think about Queen Elizabeth II, these are the things that come to mind. She was the epitome of duty and servant leader. She served her country until death. This is one person who never wrote her tell-all biography. She didn't do interviews with magazines about uh, her choices in clothing or what she thought was cool. She never tweeted. She didn't have a, a Facebook page. She didn't blog. She didn't do any of that because it wasn't about her. It was about something greater. It was about service to her country. It was all about duty. It wasn't about personality. And I think that is one of the most admirable things about her. I've also read quotes about the things that she said. She could have been, she was very blunt in a lot of ways, and I take that to heart. And it's things that a wise woman would say. I suspect she would ask herself often, how does what I do serve my country and my people? I think frequently in her case, it was people, it was her country first over herself. She was a reminder, again, that the greatest generation is dying. And that generation, when you look back, knew the true meaning of sacrifice. How many of you would die for your country? How many of you would die for your organization? How many of you would do that? That generation was all about service to their country, to the mission, to something greater than themselves. And right now, what you're seeing is the tremendous outpouring of grief of people waiting eight to nine hours in line to pay homage to her casket and to offer their thanks to her. So my takeaway from her life lessons is to make your life purpose something greater than you. And I think a lot of the things we are seeing in our country with leaders who want to run for office, people who want to be reelected, who are fighting each other. It's a cult of the personality. They have moved away from what government service is to be about. It's no longer service, unless it's service to themselves. Because when you look at candidates, and this is a whole different show, you have to ask yourself, how are they serving the people of this country? How are they serving the greatest good? Or are they having a personal vendetta with the other side? So think about that. So that has been her lesson. As a physician, I look at Queen Elizabeth's longevity, which is admirable. Her mother, Mary, the Queen Mother, lived to 102. Uh, Queen Elizabeth, we heard, was 96. Her husband, Prince Philip, died last year, lived to 99. They were married over in 73 years. What was her secret? And that we know from longevity studies that genetics is a major part of that. If your parents live long, chances are you will. But about 30 to 45% of that equation consists of your lifestyle, your attitude. She had the blessing of being born into royalty. She had a team of people who ensured she had a good life. She would be safe and healthy. She also had certain hobbies or hobbies. She had her dogs, which offered her unconditional love, her pets, her dogs, her, her horses. 
She had a ritual of Earl Grey tea every afternoon in her jam on bread, on toast. She had alcohol in moderation. Her, her physicians would advise her on that. One of the rumors I heard about her mother, the Queen Mother, is that she would have a shot of scotch every night until uh, she died at 102. My oldest patient lived to 102, and she would have a shot of whiskey uh, every night with her nurse. So I don't know. Maybe there's something in the scotch. We learn about the lives of those who passed. And so whenever somebody passes, I always give thanks for their life. And what did I learn? How can I make my life better and the lives better of the people around me? So God bless you, your majesty. May you rest in peace. May we learn from the lessons of your incredible life. I also want to mention the month of September was on September 5th. We celebrated Labor Day, and that it was a federal holiday. And I want to thank all those people who are laboring away, like myself, who continue to work in the, in the, in the workforce at a time when it's difficult to hire people because a lot of people don't want to work. So for those of you out there who are working, God bless you and keep doing that. Thank you for working and thank you for paying your taxes to support those who don't work. September 11th, uh, they commemorated that infamous day in our history 21 years ago. Where were you on September 11th, 21 years ago? Well, I had just moved to Arizona with my family. I remember I was going to the Mayo Clinic where I had a job there, and I was going to Starbucks to pick up my morning frappuccino. I went back to my car, I turned on my radio, and I listened to the news. And at first I thought, well, this sounds like a rerun of Orson Welles' War of the World. World." Uh, And I thought, oh, no, it's live. It's, It's happening live about the Twin Towers. So I instantly called my old office on the ground floor of the White House, and my former secretary, Phyllis Green, who had a birthday this month, picked up the phone. And I said, Phyllis, what are you doing there, and where is the president? She says, well, the president's in Florida. They're en route to a safe zone, and Dr. Tubb, my successor, was with him, so they're okay. I said, but Phyllis, what are you doing there at what at, we call it Crown? Um, the White House code name is Crown. What are you doing at Crown? Well, Air Force One code name is Angel. So she said, I tried to get into the shelter down below. They locked it. I said, get out of the building. Get out of the White House. Leave the compound. Get out of there. You don't know what's targeted next. So the fear began. I asked my daughter-in-law, Erin, where she was 21 years ago, and she was about 13 years old. And she's told me she had heard about 9-11 from a girlfriend who had called and heard it on the news. And then she told me, my daughter-in-law, that was the first time she heard the word terrorist. She's never heard that before. So our lives were changed forever because then we knew there were bad guys out there who wanted to kill us and have killed a lot of us. And so we became more cautious. We look at the way we travel. No longer can you just get on an airplane, right? You have to go through the magnetometers. You had to get padded down. A lot of things changed. Because of a few bad people, it impacted so many people. So it's almost like things that happen in the world, right? A few bad people making it difficult for the rest of us. So I'm going to pause briefly for a break. I'm going to come back and talk about some happy things about Grandparents' Day and what that means. And then we're going to go to our topic about happiness. So stay tuned on House Calls for more about happiness. 
Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 346 9141 You may also send an email to drconnyradio at gmail.com. That's drconnyradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back on House Calls with Dr. Connie and my special guest, Laura Ziff. I started off by talking about the significance of September. Another cool thing about this month is Grandparents' Day. So happy Grandparents' Day and happy Step-Grandparents' Day to all of you out there. Where did Grandparents' Day come come from? It started back in 1956 in West Virginia. There was a mom named Marion McQuaid. She helped organize a celebration for those over 80, and she realized that a lot of nursing home residents were forgotten by their families. I don't even think our families know how grandparents stay. Only grandparents know. But but anyway, she organized this and wanted just to bring people into the nursing homes to say, thank you, grandma, grandpa. But the topic of being a grandparent makes me happy. I think of all the titles that I've had in my life, probably the happiest title is being a grandparent. And my grandkids know me as Lola. That's a sexy, cool name. But It actually comes from the Filipino name for grandmother, which is Lola, which I think is cool because there's a song by uh, Sarah Vaughn back in the 1940s or 50s called Lola, whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. And I I sort of like that. So that's all about being a grandparent. And so really the show is about being happy. Are you happy? What's happiness mean? We live in a world that is flooded with sadness, stress, tragedy. You read the paper, it's bad news in print. You turn on the TV, it's 24-7 bad news in your face. And it's enough to just bring you down. A lot of people who believe in in improving your mood said the first thing you do in the morning is do not, not look at your iPhone and do not read the paper because it sets your day off on a bad foot. 
So what's the antidote to bad and sad news is my prescription for happiness. Well, what is happiness? It's a state of being happy. Well, how do you describe that? It's contentment, pleasure, contentedness, satisfaction, cheerfulness, cheeriness, merriment, merry, gaiety, joy, joyfulness, joy. There's a lot of joy in there. Glee, blitheness, carefreeness, gladness, delight, good spirit. It's the things that make you smile or chuckle. It's the state or pursuit of happiness. And it's so important that even the founding fathers of America included it in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. And in that legislation, it disallows the government from infringing on the rights to pursue, quote, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness with any regard, with regard to any citizens in this country. So look at that. They're not supposed to infringe on our rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Then I thought as a doctor, what makes people happy? Are you born happy? Well, they, they always determined via twin studies that perhaps there's a gene that's located in one of the alleles that deals with serotonin that can be involved with happiness, with satisfaction. So I'm going to go now to my guests because we're going to talk about happiness with my dear friend, Laura Ziff. She has a very extensive bio. You can, I refer you to the website. She is a professional woman, business executive. She founded a very successful company, the Associated Asset Management Company in 1990. It's a professional community association management company dedicated to delivering total peace of mind. So over the past 32 years, her company is going to be one of the foremost providers of professional community associations in the United States with 17 offices in 12 states and over 900 employees. She was their CEO until 2011 and is a very active partner. She continues to mentor them and provide leadership and guidance. But after moving on from the company, she continues to be very active giving back to her community. She's got a background in education as a teacher. She spent two of those years in Honduras teaching young children to speak English. And she, she transferred all those skills to working in her many volunteer efforts with the homelessness. Her core belief is give back, pay forward in her profession and in her personal life. She makes weekly commitments since 2017 to volunteer at Andre House, which serves those who are currently experiencing homelessness in downtown Phoenix. And we can even do a separate show about that because she has a lot of observations of her experiences being in that really tough, and it's a totally different world. I think the important thing that separate from this, and you can read her bio, it's very impressive, is she's been my friend for 21 years. I, in a lot of ways, I consider Laura one of my soul sisters. Uh, we look at life similarly. Uh, I look to her to lift me up when I feel down. She's happy. She has a wonderful sense of adventure. She's a world traveler. She's an accomplished photographer. She's a brilliant woman, but she's also humble and kind. So welcome, my friend, to my show. Hi, thank you for having me. I really, really appreciate it. You know, you stay physically active, mentally active. You're very engaged in life. And can you share a little bit what you did this summer? Uh, I traveled. <laughs> it's my passion. Um, I started in the beginning of June, and this summer went to Uganda and Kenya, then Turkey, Bulgaria, and Spain. Came back in September. It's the longest that I've traveled. It was about 90 days and truly the longest I've been away from home. What parts of your travel bring you joy? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, every single day 
brings some form of joy. First of all, how can you complain when you're traveling? I'm yeah. always amazed when people are complaining when they're traveling on vacation, right? But I was so blessed to have the pleasure and privilege of traveling for so long and checking things off of my list that I always wanted to see. Um, why waste a moment being unhappy? I know that sounds very woo-woo and naive and new age, but truly we choose how we feel and it's you know, very true I chose to be happy and I choose to be happy you do you seek it when you travel internationally so many cultures so many countries do you see signs of happiness oh my gosh yes and this time it really resonated with me um, I think because of the pandemic so you know people have been cooped up I saw two very different kinds of happiness um, one was within the tourist industry. Um, stating the obvious, it was so devastated during the pandemic. And now, whether it was in a big, huge hotel in Istanbul or in a little tiny tent in Kenya, um, people that work in the tourist industry were so happy and grateful to have tourism back because we, you know, we don't realize how much it really affects their livelihood. And especially in Africa, um, they were devastated because they didn't have tourists. So yeah, that was one kind of happiness and it was, it was wonderful. They couldn't do enough for you and they were just really happy. The second kind um, was very different and I've seen this before. I've traveled in many third world countries, but again, I think because of the pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, um, this was a really basic happiness and it was internalized it wasn't dependent on tourism it wasn't dependent on anything else and that's because this summer um i had the op my passion is cultural photography and i had the opportunity to f um, photograph tribes in northern kenya and so i photographed the samburu and the pakat and these two tribes, to say they have very little would be an understatement. No electricity, no running water, very few if any roads, and on and on. Some of them are pastoral, they raise cows, goats, and sheep. Others are agricultural, and some are hunter-gatherers. So truly a very different existence. Um, the Pakot is the, are the most remote tribe I have ever met, um, yet when we arrived there, the people in the tribes were genuinely happy. It was obvious by their smile, their hugs. You can't fake that. Um, the way they interacted with each other and the way they communicated with us. I have seen it over and over and over again in my travels. It seems that those with the least seem to smile the most. Isn't that amazing? It is incredible. And meanwhile, many of us that we see have everything and yeah. they're miserable. Yeah. They're miserable. Miserable human beings. Do you think it's cultural? Do you think it's within their culture? They accept that they don't know they're poor, but is it cultural, their attitude to choose that? I think it's very cultural. I think that they have a life. They live in very big extended families. Basically, everybody's related to each other in the tribes. And they know... I don't want to say they know what their roles, but everybody has a purpose, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a child, if you're an adult, if you're female, if everybody's got a purpose. Yeah. 
and yeah. they're just happy. Yeah. You know, and I'm not making light of how hard their existence is, but truly, you, those smiles were yeah. amazing. You know, they found joy. They, yeah. they, they intentionally sought joy and became happy. And the other thing is that they intentionally dance. Hmm. I mean, they, they were dancing, of course, because we were there to welcome us, but they dance on a regular basis. So, Which is good exercise, but it's yeah. also, it, it's the yeah. embodiment of joy. Were there memorable moments on your trip recently? Absolutely. Um, probably three and a half, and I'll explain <laughs> the half after. <laughs> the first, uh, and, and these are in no particular order because I've always wanted to do all of them except for the half one. Um, went to Cappadocia in central Turkey, and a, a lot of people that are listening may have seen pictures. It has these um, very rocky landscapes which are considered sacred they're really amazing they're very unusual formations um and the best way to see it is from a hot air balloon so there's pictures all over the place of you know 150 hot air balloons up you go at four o'clock in the morning and you go for sunrise you go up in a hot air balloon and it is magic wow. it is magic wow. and i there's no other word. I will remember that till the day I die. It well, was so Well, you beautiful. have pictures of it. You I have do. videos. And I do. It, you capture, you know, I also look at what you've done with the tribes. You capture their beauty uh-uh. and their joy. Your photography is amazing uh, with thank that. Thank you. So how many countries have you visited? Um, it will be, I'm going to the Congo in wow. December, November, and that'll be 100. That will be number 100. So... Um, I can tell you about the other, um, yeah. if you want. Yeah, let me so, hear. So the other memorable moments was, I have this thing for flamingos. I think they're incredible. And if so flamingos have long-term relationships. Like for, for them. For as long as they live, they have social groups. They have flamingos they don't like. They have flamingos they like. They um, marry for life. I mean, it's amazing. They have it's this amazing. whole social structure. Aren't you glad you know that now? No, now I so, know. <laughs> Anyway, flamingo. There, yeah. <laughs> anyway, there is um, a place in northern Kenya. It's called Lake Bogoria, and I am not exaggerating. At any given time, it may have up to a million flamingos. Oh. And so, when you, the only way to do it is to fly over it in a helicopter. It's extraordinary. The beauty, the beauty is just extraordinary. So that was lovely. And then the little half part that was memorable. Um, there's a place in Kenya called Sirikoi, and it, people know that rhinoceroses get poached. And so the theory is you cut off their horns so they don't get poached, which works. But in Sirikoi, the lodges and the people have embraced the local communities, and so they've hired the poachers, they've hired everyone. And they have about 200 rhinoceros that don't have their horns cut off, and they're thriving. But wow. there's one, one rhinoceros named Sonia. I always think it's weird when they name animals, but Sonia, and her horn is backwards. Usually the long Oops. horn yeah, usually the long horn is on the bottom. Yeah. Hers is on the top, and it's huge. It's oh. huge. And she has a little baby, and she's cranky. So... She allowed us from far away to watch her for like 20 minutes, take pictures, and then she decided to charge us. 
<laughs> not a credit card, but like, actually no, physically no, charged. No, we're talking it. like death by Ryan. Oh, my God. I was like, and so both guys, they start banging on the car and making all this noise. And she stopped. <laughs> she stopped. But it was very memorable. Oh, my gosh. It was really A little bit of excitement yeah. there. You yeah, got a your little heart. too much. So where are you going next? You talked about going next in November? Uh, to the Congo. I've learned there's a good Congo and a bad Congo. Oh. So I'm um, going to the good Congos, the, called the Republic of the Congo. And um, I want to go there. They have forest pygmies and forest elephants. And because the jungle is so thick, mm-hmm. they, thick they have um, everything is smaller. So I want to go there and see it. And there's really good cultural photography there. You know, as you go through this, you're smiling. You choose to be happy. Yeah. But I'm sure you're human. There are times that you're down. What do you do when you're down? How do you get back to your natural state of happiness? So um, like everyone else that is, I'm sure, listening and everyone else in the world, um, I've been through a number of challenging times in the past, and I learned so I learned so much from some very difficult situations. Most importantly, I learned um, is that drama, like making myself crazy or anyone else doing the drama, only makes it worse. It doesn't do anything. It's a total waste of energy. Um, the, therefore, even at the worst of times, I focus on the good that will come out of the situation and try to manifest and make it happen. Um, again, choosing to be happy. And I have this saying, um, which will sound trite, but life is short and then you die. Yeah. So yeah. don't squander or waste even a minute of it. Um, we've been given this incredible opportunity to, to live our lives and to do good and um, create wonderful things. So why not fill it with joy um, and people and experiences versus drama? Yep. It's a choice you make. That's beautifully said. We're going to pause for a break and then come back on House Calls with Dr. Connie and her specialist in happiness, Laura Ziff. So stay tuned for more. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. 
You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back on House Calls with Dr. Connie for a prescription of happiness. Our special guest here, Laura Ziff, so put it eloquently about choosing happiness, right? Tell exactly. people again what is, you know, what's your prescription to be happy? Um, just to fill your life um, with moments of joy, with people that you love, with experiences. You can buy all the things in the world you want, but... It's the experiences that fill our hearts. And um, even when it's bad, think about what is the outcome that you want that will make you happy. Good for you. That's a great way to look at it. You know, a lot of people go, it didn't happen my way. It has to be this way. And one philosophy or one statement that I heard someone say is, when it happens your way, it's God's grace. Mm -hmm. It's God's direction. When it doesn't happen your way, it's God's protection. There's a reason it didn't happen, and you don't see it later. Like, you're rushing to a meeting. Why is traffic holding me up? Darn it. I mean, I want to get there. I need to get there right away. And then it slowed down. Traffic slows down because there was an accident, and you, if you had rushed, could have been that person. Absolutely. So that's one thing. Uh, So if I could write a prescription for my patients, I would do that. I really believe I said, seek happiness. You have a choice. I have a very interesting group of patients because they're all financially stable. They're not starving. It's not like the the people that you see on your trip. But we know, studies have shown that happiness improves the quality of life. It makes us more productive, more kind, loving to each other. But people can't give it to you or do it for you. Some women will say, well, if I met the right guy and had a jet, you know, I'd be really happy, right? So, no, the guy with the jet is not going to make you happy. Doesn't That's not it. Don't expect that. It isn't like winning the lottery. Nope, it can actually make you more miserable. I really believe you have to welcome and embrace happiness into your life. You have to actively pursue happiness, and you have to be open to it just like you have. I also think you have to have an attitude of gratitude, and I think you can see that when you go to third world countries. If by, if not by the grace of God, here am I on this. I could have been Absolutely. born here. I could have been born here. I'm blessed to be able to visit. I don't live here. I, you know, I'm blessed to be where I am, to, to be part of that. But you can't buy it. I, again, you know, it's, it's all about your attitude, about how you embrace it. You know, a lot of <clears throat> scientists look at the factors that affect well-being and what makes for happy. And it's number one is connecting with people. You know, it's hard to be happy in isolation unless you have a very strong spiritual connection and believe that you're connected with spirit, with God. Number two is being active. You can't be happy, sit in your chair all day long, get out working. Our brains work more efficiently when brain-derived neutrophobic, neutrophilic factor is creating during exercise. This increases endorphins, norepinephrine, serotonin, all those increase with activity. The other is what they call taking notice. It's mindfulness, uh, drawing attention away from anxiety and worries, you know, beef up your resilience and know what we say man up or woman up you know grow a set increase your testosterone it's really mindfulness focusing on what's positive get away from the negative what you can do being accepting 
as a student, when you travel, you're always learning, learning new things and always being open to learning new ideas, technology, the new world. And that's what travel does. You're always learning new things, but you're also realizing how you're more alike than different yes. with people from other places. And it's that. The other thing that you discovered is giving. It isn't about us. It's your volunteer work with Andre House. It's giving back. You see people who are less privileged. And, and really, that increases oxytocin and dopamine. You're really doing it. We're sort of selfish. We do it because it increases my dopamine and oxytocin, really. But it also acts of, uh, acts of kindness and volunteering really make a difference. So if we need to write a prescription for happiness, it would be one of those compounding pharmacies where we mix in a bunch of things like gratitude, attitude, physically active, mindfulness. I really think spirituality comes into play. We live in a time of tremendous fear. People are afraid of everything. People are afraid of dying, afraid of they don't get enough likes. I mean, they're, they're living in fear. And you have to say, where is that fear coming from? What is the final outcome? Mm -hmm. You know, it is without a doubt, and I hate to tell my patients, all of them will die one day. I hope <laughs> not on my shift, but we all die. We're all temporary beings. We're floating through here. We're just doing a very small amount of time in this huge spread of infinity. So that's why time is valuable. Don't waste your time on toxicity and people who bring you down. Just move away from it, turn away from it, because it sucks the energy and the life out of you. So you look at that, but if you believe that there's life after this, there's a bigger meaning, then you're not so fearful. So what's the worst that can happen? Okay, you can think of it, name all the things, right? My husband died in a glider crash. He died doing what he loved to do. But I know he's joyful, he's happy, he had a great life, he didn't suffer. And when it's my time, when I'm 98, you know, I'll fall asleep and go away and without any drama, hopefully, and, and that'll be it. But you know, you look at those. I look at my parents. I've lost my parents and my husband when the, within a span of, you know, three years. And I used to ask my dad. I said, w you know, are you happy, Dad? Are you happy? And he was about 93 at the time, and my mom had already passed. And he says, well, I don't know about how your mom felt, but I'm happy. I was happy when she was alive. A lot of people will quote this Unitarian minister named Washington Burnap was his name, and about. 200 years ago, in one of his sermons, he talked about the grand essentials to happiness in life. So, and it's very simply said, he said, in order to have happiness in life, there are three components, something to do, someone to love, something to hope for, or something to look forward to. So something to do, keeping active, right? Something to get up every morning, someone or something to love, that's the emotion, and something to look forward to or hope for, there's that vision of what that. So if you precipitate and narrow that down, what are those three things? It's about doing, loving, hoping. Do, love, hope. I've got a little bit more time here just to reflect on those things about what makes people happy. I think a lot of times we don't take a deep breath. We get caught up in what's happening now and it's all toxic. Move away from toxicity. Don't participate in the toxicity. You have the power to turn off the radio. You have the power not to post something. Do you really? I mean, when you ask about, what am I doing? And, it, and it, I, I love observing people at lunchtime. And I see them walking around in a very nice shopping mall or in a dining district, and they're fixated on their phones. 
I think the tragedy of social media is it's really not, it's the oxymoron. It's not social, nor is it true media. We haven't gotten closer. We've gotten more separated and polarized with that. I see couples on a date, and if you can call it a date, and they're looking at their phones. They're not even communicating. How is that happening? You know, it's like you're not even making eye contact. They're fixated on this addictive device that's ruling their lives. I see people, when I was in Paris, they were more focused on on posting their picture at the Eiffel Tower than just ex- enjoying the experience. You're at the Louvre. They wanted to take pictures of the Mona Lisa. Well, why didn't you just look at it, enjoy it? Yep. But it didn't happen unless I photograph them. I see friends and family photographing their food, like, look at me, look at me, right? And I look at people who actually are very wealthy and famous, and I think, well, you know, the people who wind up, not that I'm dissing anybody, I'm not saying anything bad, but I always find that the people who are posting these sort of wannabes are the ones who have not yet become successful, famous, nor humble, right? If you're successful, perhaps you're famous, and you're humble, would you be posting your Lamborghini? It, you know, it really, I mean, most guys aren't going to be, you know, gals who have a Lamborghini unless it's a special. Do you want to say, this is my mansion? This is my yacht? This is my Lamborghini? Really? Do you really? No. I mean, do you, people want to see that? You know, and I think back at Queen Elizabeth. This is my castle. This is my palace. You know, this is my, she sold the Britannia. Uh, so when you look at people who, who had wealth, fame, she had that. Queen Elizabeth never posted, never blogged, never tweeted, right? And I think it goes back to why are you in this life? What is your purpose? I think the icing on the cake in this life is the happiness part. The cake part is what are you doing? You know, you're brought here. I think every human being, every soul is brought into this life for a reason. God doesn't make mistakes. God's pretty, God's God, God's pretty smart. Spirit, they say, one of the philosophies is the soul picks the life it chooses into this world. So you have to say, number one, why was I brought into this world? What was my soul intent, my soul purpose? What was I intended to do? You know, is it, I mean, that's something that's your personal discernment. And then the other is, what can I do my best to do that? But I, I don't think anybody was brought into this world to become a multimillionaire and have it be all about them. I don't think so. I think the greatest joy is giving, is giving of yourself to something that's greater than you. And I think it's amazing when you, you lose people who are, who've lived here, I mean, an incredible life. And I'm sure she had hardship. Absolutely, she had hardship in her life. Who wouldn't? But the fact that she kept working until the day she died and that you will, it wasn't about her. It was about the monarchy. It was about the people of her country. If we can get that in our leaders, in the people we have, and I think a lot of ways, you look at where are leaders? Where have all the leaders gone? Do we have heroes? Are there, are there heroes left in this country? Can you name people who are your heroes? Is it a rock star? Is it a rap star? I mean, and then ask yourself, what have they done to make this world better, right? Have they contributed in some way to the betterment of humanity? Uh, what is their obituary going to say? And you know, uh, the thing about the media and journalism is that all famous people have obituaries already set up. They have to put the date on there. So if you can ask, 
what obituary, what, what yeah. would you like them to say? And, and one of the things I used to ask people, what would, your children, what would you like your kids and grandkids to say about you at your funeral? What legacy would you leave behind? But in part of that, what are those sparks of joy that you, Laura, experienced the, of traveling this amazing world? And you've, you're 100 countries. I've also done 100 countries. By the way, there's a century club, which people have been to 100 countries. And they'll tell you great stories about travel, adventure, misadventure. But you have to, you have to travel outside your own world, outside of yourself. Because when you travel away, you're out of your comfort zone. You're no longer the king or queen of your dominion. You're in somebody's land. You have to be respectful of that. So then it, even though you're a tourist and you're fortunate to travel, it's not about you. It's right. about the country you're in. What are their rules? What are their habits? What are their customs? How can I be, a, you know, not an ugly American, but somebody who uh, is respectful of the people who I'm visiting? What can I do for that? So any last words before we end on happiness, Laura? No, I absolutely agree with everything that you've said. And one of the things about traveling is you're always learning. And I've always thought if everybody in the world could go visit somewhere else that's totally outside their comfort zone and just learn, what a different world it would be. That's for sure. Go learn. So really, we're going to end on this happy note. Simply, my prescription is go do something, have something to do, someone to love, and something to hope for. So I hope you loved our show, and we look forward to hearing from you and listening to us next month on House Calls. So have a blessed day, and we'll talk to you next month. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thank you.